This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Hey, this is Rico Renzi, colorist of Spider-Gwen and Squirrel-Girl, and you are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Podcast with Joe and Matt. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode number two. That's right, we've only done this twice. Of the Two-Headed Nerd. And it shows. Comic Book Podcast. My name's Matt Baum. You can find me at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And I'm Joe Patrick. You can find me at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And you can follow this show, the recently rebooted Two-Headed Nerd, at Two-Headed Nerd on Twitter. In this week's episode, Joe and I are going to hit you with reviews of The Wild Storm and Super Sons, number one. After that, we'll review ten more of this and last week's comics during a ludicrous speed round. Then, we're going to strap ourselves into the wizard wayback machine when we travel through time via old wizard magazines to see what life was like for comic nerds back in the day. And finally... The Orca makes his somewhat troublesome return with a brand new segment called Postcards from the Orca. It's all coming right at you. But before we start our own one hour and ten minute rambling press conference, first it's time to get into this week's Nerd News. Nerd News. The Spider-Man line is expanding with a new ongoing series with a familiar name, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. Entertainment Weekly broke the news of the new series, which will be written by Chip Zdarsky and drawn by Adam Kubert. We love both those guys. Not Andy. Adam. Adam. Spectacular Spidey will launch in one of Marvel's free comic book day offerings this year with Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number one, scheduled to come out in June. The story will focus on Spider-Man's life in New York City, an approach which Zdarsky calls... A more personal book than Amazing Spider-Man. So this is supposed to be the down-on-his-luck Peter Parker. This is no longer tech magnet Parker well, Industries we'll Peter get, Parker. We'll, we'll, we'll address that. Okay. Uh, here's a quote. The main book, Amazing Spider-Man, has kept things fresh by stretching the character and his situation. It's still classic Spider-Man at its core, but transposed into new settings with this book, we're using the same Spider-Man in continuity, but shifting the spotlight back to New York City and his supporting cast okay so when talking about inspiration for the new series he calls out some classic spidey tales like amazing spider-man 33 where he's pinned under the wreckage yeah and he's got to lift more weight than he's ever done before to save Amy's life yeah it was great uh and also that classic spider-man tale the other by j michael straczynski what what was the other i don't remember uh that's where after revealing earlier in the run that he got his powers from some sort of magical oh, spider yes. monster. Yes. Uh, the magical spider monster shows up and tries to eat him. Yes. And he wakes up with spikes in his wrists. Wolverine style. Oh, God. I forgot. Yeah. That was so dumb. Stingers. He had stingers. Yeah, stingers, right. Sorry. Kind of his wrist. Right. Not his face. You know, like a spider. Zdarsky will also be introducing a new supporting character, Rebecca London, an aspiring comedian who befriends Spider-Man. Great. He likes to make the jokes. Haha. So Zdarsky did make some comments that made it seem like Spectacular would be a return to form for Spidey where the old Parker luck looms like a specter overshadowing all of his good fortune. But Marvel has not announced anything about his status as a Stark-like tech mogul. So Something's going to happen. We don't really know. Something's going to happen. Uh, the cover, though, uh, shows a very plain-looking non-glowing, yeah. non-tech-looking spider. It's just Spider-Man. It's right. old-school Spidey. So, I mean, multiple books. We're back to multiple books. Right. Is this where we want to go? Or should Slot have just said, hey, I had a great run, and let Zdarsky take the wheel? I don't know, because Slot is still killing it. I'm having a lot of fun with the book. I do understand the criticism of Super Iron Spider Man, whatever. Yeah, you I know. mean, but these things are all. But they're temporary, and it's right. fun. And it's it, just a roller coaster. My guess Superior is Superior Spider Man was the same. Right, and my guess is something's going to happen. They're going to be shifting back. I don't know what, and it it could be anything because Dan Slott's a crazy person. But I doubt they have the two books running the way they are now with the way this one sounds. I mean, they would be completely different. It, I find it hard to believe that they would have completely, yeah. Yeah, that they're his, especially if it's in continuity. He's saying it's in continuity. Yeah, that it's got to have the same status quo. Right. So they'll be hand in hand. Something's going to happen. We'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I think this. Love Zdarsky, love Kubert. I think it'll be great. 
A Zdarsky Spider-Man is definitely something I'd be excited to read. Yeah, and maybe they're grooming him to take over. Hey. You know? Maybe. He'd be great. His time's coming. You can't see him. His time is now. I know? mean... You don't get that, do you? The John uh, Cena reference. No, I don't. Sorry. All right, whatever. I didn't even know you were making a reference. <laughs> yeah. I like Zdarsky, um, and I think they could be grooming him to take over Amazing. Sure. And, you know, I mean, I did kind of like having multiple books back in the day sure. when I was a kid. Sure. Because they all had different tones. Yes. Um, but they were all the same Spider-Man. Yes. I just, I don't want them to overdo it, yeah. and I don't want them to all ultimately be the same book. No, absolutely. You know? Yeah. But, yeah. Moving right along, Karen Berger, former patron saint of DC's Vertigo imprint. Uh, it's Berger. Is it? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. It's Berger. Berger. It's teaming with Dark Horse Comics to launch Berger Books, a new line of creator-owned comics and graphic novels. Berger will acquire, edit, and oversee the comics and graphic novels published by Burger Books. I'm done with that Yeah, joke. come on. Which will be branded with both the Burger Books and Dark Horse Comics logos. The number, of the, the number of titles, authors, and creative teams will be named at a later date. I sincerely hope they're all food-related. <laughs> that would be great. Like yeah. Fast food comics. It's not B U R G E R. That no. would be different. Doesn't matter. Who cares? Oh, they should have called it though Burger Books B U R G E R. Yeah, Burger fuck Books. it, man. They announced it's a Comics Pro in Memphis where Burger was also awarded the organization's Industry Appreciation Award. This is all after getting canned from DC. Uh, I believe she <laughs> chose to resign. Did she? But she was probably going to get yeah, canned. I yeah, think like they, they were going to politely gonna... asked her to resign. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she left because she wanted to. Uh, Berger had already enjoyed, like we said, she had already enjoyed a long career at DC before launching Vertigo in 1993 and stepped down after 20 years leading the imprint and more than 30 years with the company. Under her direction, Vertigo became known for publishing a wide variety of critically acclaimed works, books that we loved, like Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, Grant Morrison's The Invisibles, Neil Gaiman's Sandman, Brian Azzarello's 100 Bullets, why the Last Man by Brian K. Period Vaughn and Scott Snyder, who wrote American Vampire, which has kind of wandered into weirdness. But the point being, she when knows it bothers to come out. Yeah. She knows how to work with huge names. Burger's super talented. She knows how to make huge names. Yeah. And she made Vertigo what it was. I don't know. And, and and we can talk forever about what happened to the Vertigo line at DC, but I think it Yeah, just, I mean they just kept pushing it backwards, it seemed. They yeah. just kept relying on trade paperback sales for fables and whatnot and going, eh, we don't need to launch anything new. But this isn't about that. This is about no. her. You know, she's had kind of a low profile since she left the company. Mm -hmm. Uh it's been five damn years. I didn't realize that. Almost. No, no, we don't need the quote. But she's she's getting back into the game. I think it's great. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting, and I think if anybody's going to give her completely free reign, Dark Horse is a great place to go do it. I mean, look what, look what they've done with the Magnoliaverse. They basically said, you can have whatever you want, corner of Dark Horse. Go. Yeah. So I was chatting. I do think the term burger books is a little silly. I was chatting with some of our buddies online last night about this when the news broke, and we kind of talked about how it seems like this is going to be something that is a tough sell. Yeah. Karen Berger is definitely a highly respected figure in the comics industry, and right. having her back, uh, make getting books made is a huge deal creatively. Is it enough for fans to come out and right. say, "Yes, we're going to support this new initiative"? Well, and to launch a whole new line of these weird books without no and we don't know what they are yet yeah and i doubt that i mean it's going to be existing in their own universe they're just going to be stories that she's throwing out sure there. and it's like we already do that at image we already do that at oni we already do that at boom what sets this apart is it and dark horse already does that too right so. i i mean i think it's wonderful i just think that uh, they're gonna have to really work with not just promotionally right but they're going to have to work with retailers to say, hey, look, this is the woman that built Vertigo. You're going to have yeah. to take a chance on these books. And we, yeah, we need to remember, guys like you and I, that was 20 years ago. It was I mean, more than 20 Vertigo's years ago at this heyday, point. Like real heyday was probably at least 15 to 12 to Vertigo launched, 10 to 15 years Vertigo ago. Vertigo launched at in 1993. So, I mean, it's been 22 yeah. years, 23 years. Yeah. 24 years math is hard i mean fables was really the last big vertigo book to probably fables and why the last man they kind of launched at the same time yeah to but go... fables went for way longer yeah like i barely even know what's being printed through vertigo right now but enough of this vertigo talk let's talk about bane yes spinning out of the current i am bane storyline in batman hey. chuck <laughs> chuck dixon and graham nolan are reuniting with the backbreaking villain for a new 12-issue 
limited series called Bane Conquest. First reported by CBR, the series debuts in May and reteams Bane with his long-lost henchmen, Bird, Trog, and Zombie. No clue. Yeah, what? To, to find, Wait a minute, what? <laughs> to find new cities to conquer and new enemies to crush. Nolan said, quote, it's very exciting to return with Chuck to a character we so love and are so identified with. DC has allowed us to return him to his roots, bringing back old friends and create new characters that will rock Bane in Batman's world, end quote. I always get super nervous about this stuff. Yes. Nolan. I love you. you, We both love Chuck Dixon and Nolan, but man, you can't always go home. Hey, right. (laughs) Nolan and Dixon created Bane in 1993. A lot of 93 stuff going on. 20- Something years ago with Doug Mensch, uh, though it doesn't appear that Mensch is involved in this project. I mean, I didn't even know Doug Mensch was involved. He's kind of in the creation of Bane. Gone. I don't know where Mensch is. I don't know. I haven't seen his name forever. No. Dixon had very positive things to say about reuniting with Graham Nolan, uh, but he also says, quote, it's more like we're back after all this time to work on a truly epic story about Bane and we haven't lost a step. Simmer down, Chuck. Yeah, we'll be the judge of that. (laughs) Simmer down, Chuck. (laughs) Maybe it just means their chemistry. Yeah, yeah. Their love is real. Here's the solicit. Bane Conquest, number one, uh, uh, variant covered by Kelly Jones. That's cool. Yeah. The co-creators of Bane make a triumphant return to the character with a 12-issue series, which we just discussed, that will push him to the limit. Bane is seeking to create a global criminal empire with the help of his original gang, Bird, Trog, and Zombie. These are new characters, right? No. No? No. How come I don't know about them? Maybe he, I've been reading Bane since day one. Yeah, I mean, maybe they appeared like once in the very first Jesus. Bane story. I'm going to have to look that up. The man who broke the bat moves beyond Gotham to find new cities to conquer and enemies to crush. Literally, like I, we read this, this information already. He won't stop until he stands at the top of the world of crime for Bane. It's all about conquest. All right, I yelled that part. Okay. It's going to be $3.99. It's going to be 32 pages. They're holding the line. Trog, Bird, and Zombie all first appeared in Batman Vengeance of Bane number one. Oh, Vengeance of Bane was one of the spin-off yeah. Look, minis. Yeah. yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, Along yeah. with Zombie, Trog helped orchestrate the Arkham breakout in Bane's effort to ultimately wear down and cripple Batman. What, in Nightfall? Uh, yeah, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. He also was incarcerated in Pina Duro. Which sounds like it's Spanish for (laughs) something about your penis. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah, I just totally forgot about him. Look, nobody loves Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan as much as I do, except for you. And I love Bane. I love the character, and they need to do something with him. For a long time, he was kind of an anti-hero, and then he was bad, and then we didn't know if he was bad. Here's the thing about Bane. I don't really ever remember him being just like, I'm a criminal. Yeah. Wasn't his deal? Like, he did criminal things, but it was always to push whatever, you know. He wasn't like a bank robber. Conspiracy. Was, no. He, I mean, he, he wasn't he like a drug what, dealer. No. He's, well, he dealt guns and moved drugs and human mm. slavery and stuff like that. Oh, well, okay then. Yeah. But the whole idea was he was doing it to push his agenda, and he felt that his agenda was more important. You know what I mean? Sure. That doesn't make him a good guy. Right. But I love Bane. And if anybody can bring them back, it is these two. I hope they can pull it off. Because we've seen a lot of these old names return to less than stellar <laughs> performances. Yes. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if DC would even be willing to take that chance with a character like Bane, who is so big in the Batverse. But, know, and like Dan Jurgens is writing some of the best Superman stuff we've read in a long time right now. So, you know, sometimes it works. We'll see. I, I, if nothing else, I think... Graham Nolan's still very good. I'll yeah, I mean, Graham Nolan has continued Still to work. He's just, done, he's just done a lot of work with, like, um, comic strips right. and stuff these days. But I love Graham Nolan. I love Chuck Dixon. Yeah, here's to hoping. DJ, drop a beat. My brain, yes, that's my name. When you hear the name, then I guarantee the pain. That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories and everything we missed... Head over to the Two-Headed Nerd Forum's Big News section. Every other Sunday, the man that breaks my back on a bi-weekly basis, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week in everyone's favorite digital nerd sanctuary, the THN Forum's Joey. What are we asking these nerds this week? This question of the week comes from forum user The Nomad, who I'm pretty sure we decided was Damon Chan. I think we figured that out. Our man on the streets. Yeah, I think we figured that out. Otherwise, speak up, Nomad. 
The Nomad writes, quote, So I was thinking about how great pillars of truth, justice, etc. most superheroes are. However, we don't always think about the times they make mistakes, ranging from them losing their jobs, ending relationships, and sometimes even costing innocent lives. Selling their wives to the devil. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a big one. Which particular moment do you remember where the hero just done messed up? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good question. Yeah. You have until 5 p.m. Central Standard Time this coming Friday, February 24th, to get us your answer. Or talk about anything from this episode or the weekend comics. Sure. You can call the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894. Leave a message there. You can also email your MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Keep it under two minutes. You'll get cut off. And as part of the all-new, all-different THN cover-to-cover, you'll also be able to call in live using the Ziggurat hotline. We'll post our recording times online, Facebook, Twitter, etc., and let you know when the show is going to be recording. So follow along if you want to be internet famous. If you need more than two minutes, then kids, you got to head over to the THN web forums and join our merry group of listeners. Because if you don't have time or the stones to call in to cover to cover, the forums are the perfect place to rap about everything we do on this show and more. It is review time in the ziggurat where Joe and I slam the brakes on the show to mount our high horses and pretend we know what makes a good read. Joe, you won the contest of Indian leg wrestling champions before we started, so you get to go first. I've got a perfect record. <laughs> this week I am reviewing Super Sons number one. It's from DC Comics, written by Pete Tomasi with art by Jorge Jimenez. It's 32 pages for $2.99. Here's your solicit. The sons of Batman and Superman have graduated to their own monthly comic, but if they want to survive, they're going to have to share it. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Pete Tomasi and Jorge Jimenez bring you the adventures of the world's smallest. That's diminutive. Rather reductive. They're kids. I know. This debut issue looks at the lives of Robin and Superboy and their destiny to follow in their father's footsteps. While we meet a new villain whose ascension parallels the boy's own understanding of their powers except that he believes it's his right to rule over every being on the planet. That was the solicit. But if I recall, there were some creative upheavals with this book. Yeah. It got delayed. They switched writers. It wasn't always going to be Pete Masi. But it was always Jimenez, right? Uh, maybe, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, because the promo art is from way back. Yeah. But I'm not sure if the solicit fits 100%. But who cares? Pete Tomasi is on board now, and his Batman and Superman work over the past few years has definitely earned him a lot of leeway. I trust the dude. I'll read whatever he writes. Chris Burns was originally supposed to write it. it Never was, heard of him. It was going to be Jimenez and Chris Burns were going to write it together. Hmm, weird. I don't know. So there you go. In this issue, Damian Wayne infiltrates the life of young John Kent and convinces him to go off on an adventure that he knows that both sets of fathers would disapprove of. But boys will be boys, as they say, and the duo deal with bullies and their own respective parents. There's a bit of foreshadowing at the beginning of the issue with a young villain. I Well, villain in, with question mark? We'll see. He's definitely not doing things responsibly. Yeah, yeah, he's up to no good. And he's uh, very reminiscent of that classic Twilight Zone story about the boy that can wish people that disagree with him yeah. to the cornfield. Yeah. Scary stuff. But really, the focus is on Damien, John, and their relationship as they learn to work together. Their training may not unfold in the same way their fathers wish, but the two are forging their own path for better or for worse. And the duo runs afoul of an unexpected roadblock on their adventure. I loved the interplay between Damien and John in this issue, and Tomasi's dialogue is definitely to be commended. But for me, the kinetic art by Jorge Jimenez is the real star. The book is bursting with life. Even in the quiet scenes, Jimenez uses every page to prove that he's the right artist for this book. He's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's kind of an up-and-comer, Jimenez. He's, we've seen him on mm -hmm. a few projects here and there. I feel like this is definitely something in his wheelhouse. And yeah. it looks great. Well, he's also he's getting just amount of that fun, flashy, all-ages kind of look without going full cartoon or full manga. It still feels very much like a superhero comic. Yeah. A big, bombastic An adventure. Comic. Yeah. And the last page, I was tickled by it. And if you read action comics, you'll get a little chuckle out of it, too. Super Sons, number one, it hooked me. It delivers on a level that most books from the New 52 were missing. The Superman-Batman dynasty is bigger than the two original characters and watching their sons 
and not just their sons, but all of their progeny, their yeah. sidekicks, their their proteges, embrace that legacy is just an absolute blast. It's proteges, proteges. There you go. Sorry. No problem. No problem. Uh, I'm so glad to have that that back in the DC universe. Yeah. Super Sons number one is a buy it from me. Yeah, this was just fun. It, it was really fun and it was well written. Uh, I thought it was going to be really hard for me to care about a book about two little kids, but. They pack it full of personality. They're not reaching to make it sound too young or too hip or too cool. And the, it see, felt the, timeless. The and good it's kind of fun. The good thing about these two characters in particular, Damien doesn't know anything about pop culture. Right. And John is the son of Superman, kind of raised in secret. Right. So he's just sort of a sweet and so, in, innocent kid. Right. And so it's not two kids in two uh two kids in the modern age making constant references. Right. They're two different sides of the nerd coin, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it was so good. A, it was really nice. Well, speaking of not being able to go home again. Yeah. We're trying, aren't we? This week, I am reviewing The Wild Storm from DC Wild Storm, written by Warren Ellis with art by John Davis Hunt. It's 32 pages for $3.99. As a child of the 80s and 90s who grew up reading comics, I was front and center for the image revolution. And, like most comic nerds, I worshipped at the altar of Jim Lee. So... When word came down via Wizard Magazine, huh, foreshadowing, that Lee, Leefield, Silvestri, and McFarlane were all leaving my favorite Marvel books to start a new company, I had to follow them. The Wildstorm U was born at Image, and honestly, the early years were bad. <laughs> all art, no story. It turned out my favorite artist needed writers after all, but they were quick to course correct, or at least Jim Lee was quick to course correct, when he brought on Alan Moore and when he brought on Alan Moore to flesh out his Wildcats title. As good as Moore stuff was, it was Warren Ellis that made me truly fall in love with the Wildstorm U, and now he's back. I would argue that no one working in the comics business today handles sequential art, timing, and dialogue like Warren Ellis. He is truly a master of using his dialogue, along with his artist talents, to pull you through a story. There's almost no narration here. I don't know if you noticed that. But it's just characters talking to yeah. each other. And in doing so, he manages to completely reintroduce us to a Wildstorm universe that isn't as wild and wooly as the DCU. It's a little more real world. It's rife with paramilitary groups that have invaded our technology and everyday lives and spy on us constantly and aliens living amongst us. It's all very conspiratorial and there's a lot less heroes running around. There's several familiar faces here, including Zealot. Voodoo, the engineer from the Authority, even deeper cuts that only serious Wildstorm fans will pick up on, too. But the story is gently introduced through the eyes of Miles Craven, who's running I.O., and Jacob Marlowe, who runs Halo Industries. Some of you will remember Jacob Marlowe is the little person that led the Wildcats back in the day. Very puck, but uh, if he was Tony Stark, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, but he's an alien. He was an alien. Right. Like I said, Ellis never resorts to narration, but instead just lets the dialogue reintroduce each character. The reason these characters didn't work in the DCU is they don't belong there. Almost 20 years ago, Warren Ellis took the Wildstorm U and turned it into a real-world superhero universe too authentic for Marvel or DC. And I can't tell you how happy I am to have him back writing these characters I love so much. John Davis Hunt, I can't say enough about his gentle art here. His figures... Nothing about this looked 90s or flashy or reaching. It all looked very soft. But with his design, all the tech that he put together was awesome. It looks alien in nature. It looks futuristic. But it also looks believable. This book was a joy to read. It's a great reintroduction. I want to stop you real right there because at first I had a tough time with this design for the engineer who is the only character really that we see right. in action in the book. Uh, if you remember the engineer from the authority comics back in the day, she had this sleek liquid metal outfit right. and her, her hands turned into guns and whatever. It was all very, you know, T2 cutting edge at the time kind right. of ideas here. She's wearing like a giant suit of armor, like a friggin' jet, but it also secretes from her skin. It also isn't working right. And it may be killing her. So, all these characters, it seems like they're going to be a little more flawed and a little more off than the heroes of the DCU, which is what they should be. This is where they belong. I, I can't give this a bigger buy it. I'm so excited to have this back. This is part of a 24-issue series of chapters. I think you do six four-issue stories. I can't wait for more of this. Huge yeah. buy it for Wildstorm. Yes, I thought it was really great. Like you said, it's full of 
uh, very familiar th- themes, especially for Ellis, the uh, the the bleeding edge technology yeah. and the secret organizations and the aliens amongst us and the the kind of high concept sci-fi ideas that Ellis has gone to time and time again. Um, but every time he, you know, that isn't to say that it s- sounds like he's going back to the well. It's just that's that's stuff that he's very interested in, it's and what he, he writes about best. it very well. Yeah, it's what he does best. And this is Wildstorm. You know, you said that that he's writing these characters that you love so much, but really, they're not. They're new versions right. of these characters. So really, this is Wildstorm in name only. There are certainly some concepts that that bleed through that seem familiar sure. if you're familiar with the classic stories. Um, but this is ground floor. Like if you've never read Wildstorm comics before, don't worry about it. Yeah. And if you have, if you love those Wildstorm tales from the '90s and early 2000s, there's lots to like here. Yeah, it be felt it felt very familiar, but it also felt very accessible. Now they got to get the Midnighter and Apollo out of the DCU. Get them out of there. That ain't happening. We don't need them there. They like him being besties with Grayson. Whatever. Get them out of there. But I mean, I agree. Yes, Wild, uh, Wildstorm characters meshing them into the DCU was the biggest mistake they could have made. Yeah, with it just those never properties. worked. Never worked. But I loved this issue. The art is amazing. It's very clean and sleek. Yeah. Uh, but yes, not very like typical of what you would think of for an action book. It's not flashy at all. Um, until it needs to be. Yeah. That scene where, you know, she turns into a jet and and, and saves the guy. Well, I would argue even that looked very, like, dirty and kind of messy and sort of... Yes, but exciting. You know, like, this is not... Yeah, exciting, yes. But yeah. this is not, like, clean, sleek superhero book. This is not character well, it looked liquid like, metal. It know? looked like it hurt. Yeah. Right? It, it looked Like real. it had consequences. Like it was... Yes, like it, like it was really happening. Yeah. It was making her bleed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was bad. Uh, I thought it was an excellent first issue. I'm excited excited to see how he reimagines these Wildstorm characters. It felt very much like New Universal. Definitely. In the sense that he took the names and the core concepts and he shuffled them around and said, okay, now this. Right. And that's what he's done here. And it's amazing. Can't it's wait for more. Yeah. So that is a double buy it for Super Sons number one and a double buy it for the Wild Storm number one. Now it's time for you 90s has-beens and sons of superheroes to tell us who you thought of these comics. So head over to the THM forums and tell us everything that we got wrong. Uh, well, bad news continues to plague Bat Affleck's Bat movie now that talks have broken down with Matt Reeve. Loyal listeners will remember Matt gave his odds of directing the Batman at two to one. Yep. Hope you didn't take that bet. Swami says, <laughs> man, was I wrong. <laughs> it's starting to seem like it might be easier to find someone to run the NSA than direct the Batman. So, Matt and I are off to Hollywood to fix the DC movie universe ourselves. Who better? I know, right? Matt, fire up the THN Fantasticar that we bought for a steal on eBay using Patreon money. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and let's hit the road. No, we used our PayPal credit. <laughs> oh, our PayPal credit. <laughs> yeah, well, you never have to pay it back. It's great. Yeah, right. And we'll hit the road while we review 10 more of this and last week's comics. Hey, I may have even gone two weeks back. I'm not sure. Oh, wow. During the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go! Justice League of America Rebirth, number one from DC. Steve Orlando and Ivan Rice launched their version of the Justice League in this issue, and I am definitely on board. It's a typical team-building issue for sure, but Orlando's dialogue and callbacks to old DC continuity Plus, killer art by Ivan Rice and Joe Prado are a winning combination. Not entirely sure why Lobo is interested in sticking around, but I definitely am. Justice League of America Rebirth number one gets a buy it. Batwoman Rebirth number one from DC. Katie Kane is back, and even though she's been back for a while, it's about time she got the Rebirth treatment, I guess? Marguerite Bennett and James Tynan the Four stick pretty close to the previous Batwoman history in what's more of a reminder than a Rebirth, but it's well-written. Artist Steve Epting is doing his best J.H. Williams impersonation. What are you talking about? He's Steve Epting. I've got him. It's Steve Epting. He draws like Steve Epting, the he legendary does, Steve Epting. But he's framing everything like J.H. Williams, exactly like oh, J.H. Yeah, Williams. Oh, yeah, I mean, there were some of those crazy Definitely. panel layouts. Yes. For sure. I mean, he never does that. Steve Epting has always been very straightforward yeah, panels. Yeah, and I love him. You're and not it, wrong there. The art looks great. It's just giving the book 
an even more familiar feel to the last book. And maybe that's just because they respect the source material so much. That's fine. It's good source material. Batwoman seems to be in good hands. I'm giving it a buy. Kingpin, number one from Marvel. This shocked me. Did you read it? Yeah. The Kingpin is back in the city that he loves and ready to make his mark as a titan of legitimate industry. But he needs to rekindle his public image. When Wilson Fisk makes disgraced journalist Sarah Dewey an offer she can't refuse, the spiraling saga of crime and betrayal begins anew. Oh, my. For as much as I hated Bullseye Number 1, I loved Kingpin Number 1. Matthew Rosenberg delivers a compelling, if not a bit predictable, story. And I'm very interested to see where it goes from here. The art by Ben Torres is definitely interesting. Uh, it's kind of awkward in places. It reminded me a lot of the early work of Scott McDaniel, yeah. who made his name yeah. on Daredevil in the 90s. Uh, I'm definitely on board to see where Wilson Fisk's Road to Redemption takes him. Kingpin number one gets a buy it. Did you like it? I did. I really liked it. It was really good. Yeah. Rosenberg is good. Death be danged. Number one from Boom. Ben Ack, Ben's Acker and Blacker set up a supernatural western with a good plot, but some clunky execution. Here a woman seeks revenge on the posse that killed her family, only to get killed herself on her very first mission. But death isn't the end for her. While this story was well written, the art got pretty flat and hard to follow in some panels, especially in some panels where they needed the art to express what was happening. Death Be Damned is a solid premise, but there's some real problems with the art here. I'm giving it a skim it. I agree. Yeah. I It wasn't uh, what I was expecting. Everybody raved about it, too, on man, the internet. Nah, I don't nah, know. I mean, nah, man, nah. Clone Conspiracy, number five from Marvel. What an anticlimactic piece of garbage. Really? I have not caught up. I was so disappointed with this ending by Dan Slott and Jim Chung. Nothing is really resolved. Isn't there one more issue? Oh, uh, there's the Clone Conspiracy Omega. Oh, okay. But this is the last issue of the Clone Conspiracy. The Clone Conspiracy, you don't need it. <laughs> Nothing is really resolved. The new Ben Riley series does not get a proper setup. It just ends abruptly with a great big question mark hanging over the whole affair. Who survived? Who escaped? Who knows? Yes, there's still an Omega issue on the way, but I don't have high hopes for that either. Based on what happened in this issue, Clone Conspiracy number five was a disappointment. But considering I recommended the entire series up to this point, I don't feel comfortable just giving it a leave it. <laughs> I'm begrudgingly giving it a skim it because if you've been following the story, right. you're at least going to want to see how it doesn't end. So this would count as one of those tie-ins that did not stick the ending like we were talking about last this week. This isn't even a tie-in. This is like the main book. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, oh, they, but an event that doesn't yeah, stick the landing. Yes, absolutely. Infinite Seven, number one, from Action Lab slash Danger Zone. For centuries now, a secret world government has employed the Infinite Seven to do their dirty work. It just so happens each member resembles a famous 70s or 80s action star, so I'm not really sure. I think that's like the point. Well, you've got, but for centuries, Snake Plissken has been running around, you know, with Bruce Lee, or it's just different members of people that were famous at the time. I don't really know. They don't really go into it. Well, I mean, yeah, no. It's like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, sort right? Of, different yes. members for different eras. Yes. When a teenager, but this is supposed to take place in modern day. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, I mean, I mean, in the style, like it's a modern day, so they have different. Yeah, but everybody that's in it is from the seventies or eighties. It's like Snake Plissken and Bruce Lee <laughs> All right. and I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Weird. Like, wouldn't it be if they were around today? Wouldn't it be like I don't know. PewDiePie and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, not anymore. Not that guy. He's When a teenager named Anthony Zane accidentally murders a Snake Plissken lookalike, he becomes the latest member of the team, I guess. It sure. seems like I a mean, bad way to join. The plot was a little hard to swallow. The art was fine. Infinite Seven relies a little too much on its plot, but really falls down on its story. I'm giving it a skim it, a low skim it at that. Odyssey of the Amazons, number two from DC. Underworld creator Kevin Grieview... Look, I'm sorry. I don't know why I say French names like that. They're hard yeah. to pronounce. Gravia. Teams with artist Ryan Benjamin for this tale of ancient Amazons on a quest to rescue their kidnapped sisters. It's not bad. But I find the narration to be a bit of a slog. Yeah, it's the so first one. wordy. Man, there was a lot to read. <laughs> I am no fan of Benjamin's art, and it's kind of inconsistent in this issue due to the presence of three inkers. But... To be frank, I've seen him do worse. I used to love Ryan Benjamin. Ugh, yeah, that figures. I don't know what happened. It's kind of an interesting story. Probably not essential reading. Odyssey no. of the Amazons gets a skim it. John Carter, the end. Number one from Dynamite. Brian Wood and Alex Cox are setting up the death of Mars. 
apparently John and Deja had a son at some point. Mm. That son went bad, grew up, and they're really upset about it, living on a desert moon while Mars goes to hell. The script is fine, but Hayden Sherman's art really steals the issue here. It was beautiful to look at. John Carter at the end is a perfectly good jumping on point, I guess, but it's still not the comic that's going to finally sell me on the John Carter universe. I'm giving it a skim it. It really was beautiful to look at, though. Aaron Myers really liked it, and he doesn't normally give a shit about these John Carter I'm comics. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying it's it's not. It's not the comic that's going to convince you to love John exactly. Carter. Exactly. Either number four from Dark Horse. <laughs> Either. <laughs> I love this series. The book is called The Ether. It's just e- so you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love this series so much. Matt Kent and artist David Rubin speed toward the conclusion of this volume with the untold story of Boone's companion, Hazel. Can't remember if it was his wife or just his lady friend. I don't remember. Okay. Equal parts compelling and heartbreaking with absolutely stunning artwork by Rubin. This series is a must read for fans of high concept fantasy sci-fi it's a little bit fun. It gets a little bit serious. It's gorgeous. Ether is an absolute buy it. All right. Forever War, number one from Titan. Speaking of high concept fantasy sci-fi, Titan is reprinting NBM's 1990 graphic novelization of Joe Haldman's beloved 1974 You're going to have to draw a roadmap to explain this. <laughs> right? So this is an old school sci-fi epic that Hollywood's been trying to turn into a movie forever. Ridley Scott was attached to it last that I heard, but I think he got sucked back in the alien world. I've wanted to read this book for years now, and Titan is giving me a perfect excuse. Mark Van Open's draftsmanship is simply stunning, and it instantly took me back to the days of those late 80s, early 90s comic sci-fi books that you would see that had nothing to do with Marvel or DC, and they were obviously European imports, but they were so beautiful, and no panel was too sprawling. If you're looking for an amazing adaptation of classic, hard military sci-fi, look no further than Titan's reprint of Forever War. I'm giving this a huge buy it. What's the word balloon situation? Square or round? Uh, there's some square and some round. Leave it! I don't know. <laughs> such a bitch about that. I haven't read it. I'm sure it's great. Whoomph! That is your ludicrous speed round, and whoomph! is the automatopoeia of the week and the sound of a giant snowball falling on bullies. Or dropped on bullies by Robin, as seen in the pages of Super Sons. In his robotic janitor costume. If you need more speedy reviews of this week's comics, head over to twoheadednerd.com and check out Super Dad Aaron Meyer's ludicrous speed reviews. We just talked about him a minute ago. You would not believe the comics this guy finds on a regular basis. He's an amazing Twitter follow and a totally sweet guy. Aaron Myers. Follow this dude. Joe, our set of whispering skulls Mike Mignola gave us for our fourth anniversary wants to talk about next week's comics. What do you say we slip into the THN Sanctum Sanctorum and make our must-read picks for next week? I'm glad we're still getting use out of those things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of Mignola, I am excited for The Visitor. How and why he stayed. Number one, weird title. It's from Dark Horse, written by Mike Mignola and Chris Roberson with art by Paul Grist. Awesome. Who I love. Awesome. Jack Staff's Paul Grist. Yes. It's 32 pages for $3.99, which is odd because aren't the Hellboy books usually $3.50? Maybe the price went up. Yeah, I don't know. Here's your solicit. In 1944, Hellboy was conjured in a ceremony meant to give Hitler the ultimate occult weapon. Fortunately, Professor Trevor Brutenholm was there to witness and to guide Hellboy to become the greatest paranormal detective in the world. But Brutenholm wasn't the only witness to Hellboy's arrival, no. A visitor was there, sent to kill the beast that had been prophesied to kill us all. What the visitor saw, and why he stayed his hand, leads to the most mysterious Hellboy spinoff yet. So these were the aliens. Aliens! That were in that weird crystalline structure in space. Ah. That they just showed for, like, one panel, basically. And they were all like, what's that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> And we have waited since, like, the first issue, since, like, Seed of Destruction number one. Well, I think, think, didn't, wasn't there another comic with the Visitor in it before? Mm, There was one with some aliens, but I don't think it was the Visitor guy. There was that weird one drawn by Kevin Nolan. Yeah. uh, It was good. With the the cows that kept getting stolen. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm just, I've been excited for this since they announced it. I feel like they announced it forever ago, but I am a huge fan of Paul Grist. And having him draw in the Magnoliaverse is an absolute winner for me. Yeah. Matt, what's your pick? 
My pick for next week is Old Guard, number one from Image, written by Greg Rucka with art by Leandro Fernandez. Mm. 32 pages, $3.99. I'm not going to go into Greg Rucka. You all know the guy is amazing. He's one of my favorite writers. And Leandro Fernandez is an incredible artist. They're teaming up to give us the story of old soldiers who never die, question mark, and yet cannot seem to fade away, period. They just sort of stuck a question mark. I think that's a formatting issue sometimes yeah. that sometimes happens. Trapped in an immortality without explanation. Andromache of Scythia. Andromache. <laughs> Andy and her comrades ply their trade for those who can find and afford their services. But in the 21st century, immortality is a hard secret to keep. And when you live long enough, you learn there are many fates worse than death. <laughs> Andromache. <laughs> it's my favorite type of mache. And <laughs> it feels a huge Andromache. Trump head to burn at the rally next week. I feel the full of candy. It's going to be awesome. Swing at it with a bat. It's going to be great. Immortals, strong women, Greg Rucka, and Leandro Fernandez. If you don't buy this, you're just a jerk. It's that simple. Yeah. It's going to be great. Don't be a jerk. The THN trade of the week, again with the Mignola, goes to the Cosmic Odyssey Deluxe Hardcover from DC Comics, finally. Finally, <laughs> written by yeah, I'm not be, I'm not making a joke. <laughs> okay, it's from DC it Comics. Sure came off like one. Written by Jim Starlin, art by Mike Mignola. It's 208 pages for 34.99. Collected for the first time in deluxe format, Cosmic Odyssey assembles a pretty bizarre group of heroes to race against time to stop a cosmic entity hell bent on destroying the galaxy. Do they have what it takes, or will one hero bring destruction to an entire world? Spoilers. Uh, yes. That's a big yes. <laughs> this collects the original four-issue Cosmic Odyssey miniseries. It features Superman, Batman, Orion, Darkseid, some weird guy named Bug. Yeah. They just announced that they're doing a Bug ongoing series what? from Young Animal. Written, drawn, and colored oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. by the entire Allred family. Yeah. And, oh my God. It's going to be like Bug in the Fourth World, I guess. Ah. It's going to be Bonkers. I can't wait. <laughs> um, it's got Jon Stewart. It's got the demon. It's crazy. Cosmic yeah. Odyssey is amazing. Now, for it's those amazing. of you who only know Mignola from like his Hellboy work, this is a younger Mignola with a right. different art style. Well, you it's can very it. similar, but yeah, yeah it's him. Uh, you he's can see of, him becoming Mike Mignola. Yes, and right. It's but very it's cool. Beautiful. It's very cool. So Mike Mignola drawing the new gods. Oh yes, buy it. It's right. great. Now, remember, you can pick up all of the comics we talked about this week at your local comic shop, or you can go to the THN Amazon link found in the show notes of each and every episode. Yes. All you do is click that link, and you shop as normal, you support the show, and it doesn't cost you an extra dime. Nothing. You don't even have to buy comics. You can buy toilet paper. Whatever you want. Anything. Uh, uh, refills for your um, propane tank. Grow lights for your weed. Probably can't buy propane on Amazon. I don't think so. I bet you could buy empty tanks, though. You can probably buy, buy like, aquarium lights. And, yeah, yeah uh, I bought mine on Amazon. You said grow lights for your weed. I'm yeah, sure you can buy those on Amazon. I bought my grow lights for my weed on Amazon. Oh, boy. <laughs> Joe Patrick, I'm detecting a huge fluctuation in the time tree. Now's our chance to grab one of the old wizard magazines Brian Domingo sent us. Why? Some of the pages are stuck it's together, creepy. Brian, and we're really concerned. And travel back to comics past in the Wizard Wayback Machine. For those too young to remember, back before the internet ruined human society, we it really did. It did. We used to get our comic book propaganda from one source, Wizard Magazine. Each month, the wizard staff would blatantly accept bribes. We don't know that. Oh, yes, To we pump do. up just about any crappy comic event. Today, we travel back to February 1995 to see what comic news was blowing up proto fandom. So let's flip it open. The February 1995 issue. All right, all right. So where were we? Take us back, Joe Patrick. All right, all right. Remind us. Remind me of 1995. Map Bomb had just. Well, I guess I graduated high school two years previous. Uh, you were at the peak of your sexual awakening. Yes. The lead story in this month's Wizard Magazine was the acquisition of Malibu Comics by Marvel. Oh. Malibu, you may remember or may not, was an independent publisher, yes. very popular in the 80s yes. and early 90s. This is when they uh, farted the juggernaut into Malibu Comics. After this, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- <laughs> 
Malibu published the Ultraverse line yes. of uh, superhero comics, which were pretty well regarded at the time. Uh, your sludges, your firearms, <laughs> yes. uh, and they were they were really good. I don't mean yeah. to laugh; they were good. Right. Well, lots of big names, lots of people that are big names now, like James Robinson wrote for them. Uh, Norm Brayfogle drew Prime. Yeah, you had the All New Exiles. You had Codename Firearm, which we always used to say Codename Fireman. <laughs> Exiles, which crossed over into Marvel and became the Marvel Exiles later. No, well, it that's the not where name. the Exiles came from. Freaks, but yeah. Hard Case, Freaks Mo with an X. Yeah, Mantra, The Nightman. Yes, there was good stuff. Rune, Barry uh, Windsor Smith's Rune. That was great stuff. Not long after this, uh, Marvel Marvel made a kind of a half-ass attempt to to keep the Ultraverse going in their own shitty way. Yeah, there was an Avengers Ultra Force crossover. Yep. Um, but Prime versus the Incredible Hulk, of course. It basically became clear that Marvel only bought the company to get access to their uh, computer coloring technology. Really? <laughs> Which was kind of a new deal. At the I time. did not know that. Yeah. Uh, there's an artist spotlight for an up-and-coming young creator in here named Jim Calafiore. Oh. Too bad we never heard from him again. Yeah, he was know? drawing Valiant comics at the time. I remember that. I remember that. Calfiore was one of my favorite artists. I own a page of his art. It's right behind me. A page of his Black Panther that he did. Next to the Calfiore story, there is an ad for a comic book that I dared Matt to identify just I, based on the art. I could not do it. Um, it's, it's stunning. And I forgot that this Marvel went through this phase. We have to keep in mind, 1995 is two years into like the raging image explosion. And so everybody's buying Image Comics. And Marvel's going, oh, crap. We got to make everything yeah. look like Image Comics. <laughs> uh, the comic is, is Nick Fury. It's called Fury of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's drawn by somebody named Corky... Lem Lemkel, who I'm pretty sure was a pen name from Rob Liefeld, from what I could tell. <laughs> and it was written by, of all people, Howard Chaykin. There you go. It looks terrible. It's, yeah, it's, my God, it looks like, I'm going to use like it. Fury joined Youngblood. I'm going to use, like. use it for the cover art for this week's episode <laughs> so you can all see it. There's a very nice uh, spotlight on Alex Ross in here that uh, came out just after Marvel's. And and he's pimping Kingdom Come, hey. so Kingdom Come's not out yet. Oh wow, it's pretty cool. Oh wow, there's a fun little article where they call, uh, they consult a psychic hotline uh, to see how certain storylines are going to end I in comics. I forgot how stoned like this editorial group was. And remember when there was like no news and they just be like, "All right, let's cast yeah. movies with famous people." Sure. <laughs> Uh, and the the two most notable predictions in here is uh, that this person is convinced that Superman and Lois Lane will never get married. Okay. How'd that turn out? Uh, I hope they got their money back. <laughs> and also that Mary Jane was definitely not pregnant and um, the Peter Parker that we had been reading for uh, reading about at the time was definitely the real Spider-Man and not a clone, though they did try to convince us that it was otherwise. Yeah. Well, didn't they go back and forth on it like three times? Like it was, it wasn't. No, they it revealed. May have been. Yes, they, it was. They revealed that. Uh, <laughs> well, for a while they were unsure, and then they. This was during the clone conspiracy. We the were clone, the knee clone saga, deep yeah. in the clone saga. Pardon me. And yeah, they revealed that uh, Peter was the clone and Ben Riley was the original. Yes. And then a year later, they when went, no, never yeah, mind. <laughs> sorry, J.K. Lowell. <laughs> Uh, it's crazy how like a lot of this stuff is still completely poignant today. We're dealing yeah, kind with the of, clone right. conspiracy and the return of Ben Riley. Uh, there's there is a casting call in here. Go oh, and what what are we casting? We're casting a Spider-Man movie. Now bear in mind, okay. 1995. We had no Spider-Man movie. The idea of a comic book movie is just like a fan's dream. Yeah. Uh, the movies we were getting were like mm, uh, Batman Forever, right. <laughs> and uh, was like the best you got. Uh, so Spider-Man, Peter Parker. As played by John Cusack. <laughs> okay. It's a young John Cusack. It's 1995. Uh, Mary mind. Jane Watson, as played by Cindy Crawford. Of course. Who else do you get? Venom slash Eddie Brock, as played by uh, Los Angeles Raider defensive end Howie Long. <laughs> <laughs> this would have been fresh off his... Uh, well, if, what was the movie? Firestorm. Yeah, right. Howie yeah. Long, where he was like a... Like a park ranger firefighter. <laughs> uh, they wanted they wanted Larry Drake, uh, who played Doctor Giggles, and um, oh yeah, okay. uh, he played Benny on L.A. Law. I love Larry to Drake. play uh, Doctor Octopus. 
That's not bad. That's yeah. not a bad pick. Uh, Michael Douglas to play Jonah Jameson. Okay. Basically, they found pictures of actors with similar haircuts yeah. and use them for yeah. that. Or like the same tie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. you know? uh, my favorite though, my favorite bit is that uh, for Flash Thompson, they wanted <laughs> Bill Foggerbake, uh, which I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right, but you will know him as Dauber from Coach. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could join a fantastic you could win a huge bronze pit statue pit this was dale keown's hulk with fangs and claws uh, yeah printed in top uh, cow very it, early top cow i have no pre-top cow this was oh you're right it was his own he was he yeah. was like this was still just image he was the first person to join image that wasn't a founder basically right all you had to do what to win this statue was make the best but well, read exactly what it says to do Okay, I will. Yeah, this is exactly what the magazine says you have to do. So, how do you win these treasures? Simple. Meat and plenty of it. <laughs> Get lots and lots of meat and show us what kind of sculptor you are. Lots and lots of meat. <laughs> no, it's not in quotes. They mean real meat. By using only minor non-meat items. So, like, popsicle sticks and pencils for frames sure sure uh for yeah whatever infant bones to hold it together yeah whatever. right <laughs> uh, so sculpt your very own pit from spam olive loaf wieners or whatever other luncheon meat is laying around the fridge gore <laughs> decorate it with hair toothpick teeth or whatever else Good floats your Christ. boat i am so glad we can't see the winner just make it look cool there you go yeah that's was right. that was wizard's motto yeah, all right there was an art contest that they featured every month for fan art. This month had a theme, and the theme was Madman, the Mike Alred character, nice. Madman. Yeah, yeah. And there was always like artists that you know. Yeah, submitting. If you stuff. look back, you'll see. And always. In, and this month's issue, he did not win, but one of the entrants was a young Kare Andrews. Who won? Um, Who's your winner? A guy named Greg Story. Let me see. From it. San Jose, California. Greg Story sounds familiar. No, nah, I don't think he's anybody. That's good. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. It's a big guy type thing with a... Oh, and the grand prize was that Mike Allred would take your design and draw it. That's dope. That is dope. That is dope. The, somehow they got two page... Uh, they got two pages out of comic book movies when there were none to speak of. Oh, my God. There were rumors of a Sharper Image TV show. Oh, I remember that. A yes. A Cyber Force cartoon. Uh, a concrete movie. Yeah. These are crazy things that never happen. Oh, of course not. Cyberforce was terrible. <laughs> it was so pretty to look at, but it was terrible. <laughs> it's like, imagine the X-Men without any of the interesting history and no personality. <laughs> there, there are some fun... Oh, and they're all robots instead of mutants. They're like, oh, we're set aside from society because we're robots. We have cyborg parts. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> In a world that hates and fears robots. <laughs> There's a nice article uh, uh, with Keith Given in here, an interview with Keith Given. Um, there's so Wizard. If you looked at it closely, it had actual content that was like, oh, fun, sure. Like I remember they did an interview with Paul Smith, the right. guy who created um, Leave It to Chance or sure. co-created Leave It to Chance, drew the X Men in the '80s. Paul Smith, where did that guy even go? Yeah. And they He's tracked amazing. him down and they did an interview with him. And it's like that sort of stuff. Wizard is great. And then the rest of it is just. Garbage. Jokey bullshit. Garbage. But perhaps the best part, the price guide the price in the back. Guide. The selected and completely inflated, ridiculous price guide. Let's, let's, let's flip to the price guide and find a couple winners, a couple speculator winners that you could probably pick up for less than a dollar. Oh, <laughs> real quick, top 10 heroes and villains of the month. Oh. Uh, number one is Spawn. Okay. So. Let's just go through it real quick. Go All through right. it. Just, they're uh, top so, 10 heroes. Number one is Spawn. T 10, counting it down, number 10 is Rogue. Okay. Number nine is She. Of course. Number eight is Vampirella. Come on. <laughs> number seven is Lady Death. Oh, my God. So we're near deep in bad girl territory. Too. Oh, yeah. Number six is Pit. Number five is Batman. <laughs> five? <laughs> what was even going on in Batman at the time? <laughs> Apparently not much. Uh, number four is Gambit. Number three is Wolverine. Number two is Spider-Man. Gambit one is Spawn. Batman. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they also spotlighted a, a lame character, quote unquote, in their minds. And called it the Mort of the Month. And yeah. this month, the Mort of the Month is Team America. Okay. 
Team America was, yeah, yeah they're still kind of a, they're still definitely Scores mort. an 8 out of 10 on the Morto meter. They're still definitely Mort territory. <laughs> so let's go to the best part, the price guide. Yeah. The overinflated, ridiculous speculator price guide. Man, and I remember using this to price comics. So they they spotlighted a couple of hot issues to be on the lookout for. Right. What was the big hot issue? Uh, and one of them is Ms. Marvel 16 from Why? 1978, first appearance of Mystique. Okay. That's a good buy still. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, and then Wonder Woman 300 from 1983. For reasons? Uh, <laughs> so Wonder Woman 300 was the first appearance of a character named Lita Hall and Lita Hall went on to be uh, a member of Infinity Inc. named okay. Fury Okay. and she married Hector Hall and they had a son named Daniel and Daniel became the new Sandman in Neil Gaiman's Sandman Good God. when Morpheus died okay Wonder Woman what issue was it? 300 300 Let's see what it's going for on eBay. Here's a copy for three bucks in 8.0. Hey, that's double its cover price. <laughs> <laughs> wow. CGC 9.4. Oh, best offer accepted. Did not sell for oh. near mint. New. Unread. Non slabbed. Guess. Five bucks. Ten bucks. Nice. <laughs> Your hot picks. For the month, we're after Xavier colon the Age of Apocalypse. Oh, so that was getting fired up in the books. Hell yeah. Uh, Extreme Sacrifice crossover in the image books. There you go. Uh, God Wheel, which was M Marvel exerting its influence on the Malibu yes. Ultraverse. Yes. Uh, an issue of Bloodshot uh, drawn by Sean Chen, who I love. Sean, and I haven't yeah. seen him in a while. Sean Chen. Good stuff. And Jonah Hex. Writers of the Worm and Such. Oh, yeah. That was great. Uh, by Tim Truman. Yeah, that was really and good. And Joe Arlene. I remember that. Beautiful art. I feel like we've milked this for all it's, yeah. all it's worth. Brian Domingos, thank you so much for sending us these wizards. Someone else sent us some wizards. Bo Conroy was also nice enough to send us some wizards. But, brother, you paid $11.15 in shipping. <laughs> Put it in a crappy box and send it media mail. Don't waste your money on us, you guys. Please. Maybe he sent them from the past. <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought of that. That's probably expensive, yeah, if you're going to send stuff forward in the future. I All can right. see that. Like, okay, Brian, seriously, it is upsetting. Some of these pages are stuck together. <laughs> um, I stress, I can't stress enough. I don't think it's because of anything untoward. I think it's just the ravages of time. Mm, maybe. But know. it's really upsetting to try to pull these apart, and I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> Folks, we've almost hit the end of the show, but before we go, it's time to check in with our old friend in the frigid, backward northeast, Da Orca, for his new segment, Postcards from Da Orca. Dear Mr. Robert Kirkman, creator of The Walking Dead, writer on two TV shows, executive producer of three TV shows, and big swinging dick, at Image Comics. I speak for all comic book nerds when I say we are so proud of you. You've become the Bill Gates of comic book nerds. You took your little black and white horror comic that wasn't supposed to last 12 issues and you just published issue 164 with no signs of slowing down. You've turned that funny book into a global phenomenon and one of the most watched cable television shows of all time. Your ratings continue to crush the competition, so much that other networks start a bidding war over your next show, Outcast. You've launched a successful spin-off with Fear the Walking Dead, and spin-offs almost never work. This year, you even had a fucking Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> Maybe it's just gone to your head. You keep us all guessing what's next, which is kind of your thing now. Nothing is sacred. Dudes get raped. Beloved characters get their eyeballs beat out of skulls or carved out. Babies die. Characters lose limbs. Daryl turns out to be gay. Everyone dies. I love your surprises. At least I did until about two months ago when I heard the news that moved me to write. Mr. Kirkman, please, I beg of you, don't kill Mark Grayson. You remember him, don't you? The Peter Parker for a modern age. The lead character in your first big hit, Invincible. 
Recently, it was announced that Invincible, the comic that put you on the map and made The Walking Dead possible, would end with issue 144. Now, let me be clear about something. You want to kill Mike Grayson as a plot twist? Fine. There are always ways to bring him back. What I mean when I say don't kill Mike Grayson is don't end the series. Oh. I get it. If you don't have the time or energy to keep writing The Walking Dead, Outcast, both TV shows, and Invincible, I understand. If you can't give it your best, you don't want to half-ass it, which is also commendable. You have lots of responsibilities, and something had to go. But here's an idea. Take a page out of Stan Lee's book and pass your creation off to someone else. Here's the rub. If it sucks, then everyone will always say, Yeah, it was good until Kirkman left, which is kind of cool. <laughs> you can always get a CEO at Image Comics to cancel it, if that's the case, since the fucking COO is you. If it's great, which of course is what we would prefer, then you're one step closer to being a comics god. In a few years, you do the same with Outcast. You've already done it with that other idea of yours, Demonic, that Chris Sabella's kicking butt on. My Grayson will always be yours. Five or six years from now, if The Walking Dead fades, you could even make one of those triumphant returns. Now, the key to this idea is to find the right pairing for artist and writer. Since I know that Ryan Otley wants to do something else, too. I, for one, will buy everything that guy ever draws. And so will every other Invincible fan out there. Which speaks to what you can do for someone's career. This means that you can get another top talent who just needs a great book to run with. Hmm. How about Joel Jones? Perfect. Now for a writer. Someone original, a voice like no other, who has a proper amount of crazy and dissatisfaction with the status quo, like yourself 12 years ago or so. Maybe someone that's proven they can write an existing superpowered character, but make it fresh. Huh. It's got to be someone you can trust, though. This is your baby. Maybe someone you already know. Someone who's already working for Skybound. With his current miniseries that will end just in time for him to get started on Invincible 145. Sorry, Robert, but I think the rumors could be true. Is Max Landis taking over Invincible? Please let it be true. It's not just me that wants this. My friends at the Two-Headed Nerd want this. My fellow listeners, rise up. <laughs> if they're with me, Robert, they'll hear this rally cry. They'll use every form of newfangled social media to put this in your face until you confirm it. Let Mark Grayson live forever. Immortality is within your grasp. Don't pass this opportunity up. Don't fear that someone will one day write bad Invincible. I'm here to tell you that will happen. Every Spider-Man has their JMS. But it won't <laughs> matter. Because he will survive. Even thrive. If he just gets issue 145. Kiss, kiss, Bobby. The Orca. Talk about sticking. Viva Langvinzibam! Whoa! <laughs> Talk about sticking the ending. That was great. Man, I'm torn. And here's why I'm torn. Because I love Invincible. But Kirkman even made a joke about, like, the... I can't remember how he worded it exactly. I'm paraphrasing. But the joy in seeing a property you created written poorly later on in the future by someone else. Oh, yeah, he did make that joke. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he could handle it. I think he loves the character too much to let anyone else do it. I think it's very personal for him and Ryan. And like they said, when they decide they're going to end it, it's just like, it's ours and we're done. And that's fine. That is just but, fine. You know and what? I would argue it even makes it better sometimes. I appreciate the Starman. Look at Starman, for example. Do you want someone else to write Starman? No. No. It should only be Tony Harris and James Robinson. You know what I mean? It wasn't just Tony Harris, but I get But your that's the one we remember point. and we and you know we really love it. This is the Orca's postcard. Yes. And we promised that we'd mail it for him. 
I'm not sure how he got it all on the back of that little card. Yeah, but, but we'll send it off. He did it. Here comes Mr. Kirkman. His, uh, his desperate plea. So that's the hashtag, right? Uh, let him thrive. <laughs> let Invincible thrive with 145. Or yeah, something. I guess so. <laughs> you heard it here first, everybody. Tweet at Robert Kirkman. Let Invisible thrive with 145. Yep, there you go. It's I mean, long, it's a lot of characters. It's I'm a sorry. clunky hashtag, but it's all we've got. It's the best I can do. Excelsior! Oh. That is it for THN number two. If you like podcasts that drop a big stinking number two in your pod feed, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. We're back, baby! We're up! It's official! We're on iTunes! Oh! New RSS! It's running! Yes! It's kick-ass! So, yes, this is a call to action. Official call to action. Here we go. You must subscribe to the new feed in iTunes. Don't get hung up on the terminology feed, RSS, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. It just means go to iTunes. Click subscribe. Search for Two Headed Nerd. Go to the forums where I posted the link. Go to the show notes for this show where I will post the link. Click it. Subscribe. Yes. If you want to continue to receive THN in your podcast app, you will need to subscribe to yes. the new show. Because this is on both the old and the new, right? Right? It, this one still? Not for long. Okay. Because the old one's going away. So there you go. We lit it on fire and then we had to haul it out of the dumpster and <laughs> use it again. <laughs> I told you not to do it. Huge gargantuan thanks to everyone that's supporting us on PayPal and in Patreon. Uh, especially our newest patron, Blake Kaiser. This morning. Who just this morning... Uh, become became a Patreon patron. What did he become? Patreon patron. What's his level? He became a defender of the cause. Thank you, Blake. We appreciate your defense. He did. He donated what he could, yeah. and what we appreciate guy. him for what it. Guy. Doesn't matter what level it is. Well, no, but it qualifies him to receive the THN Drunk Nerds Guide to Previews, which is a pretty fun time and exclusive for Patreon members. Uh, and also the live viewing of the recording of the show which as we're gonna, soon as we figure it we're out. We're going to get it hammered out this week. <laughs> Promise. This show survives solely on your donations guys and we just really want to say thanks yes for uh and we're going to do that by giving the listeners some cool swag access to donor only content like matt said you can find that at patreon.com got stickers coming real soon start looking for them in the mail in the next uh six weeks or so they're coming patreon.com slash to editor remember next week it's time for thn cover to cover so call us or send us an mp3 or just leave us a message on our ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894 we will bombard social media with information about what time we're going to be recording if you want to call in live and you can talk about whatever you want anything from this show from the week's nerd news anything in the world of comics nothing is off limits before we go our weekly shout out goes to THN's roving reporter Katie Sullivan who sent us the breaking news about Karen Berger's new comic line Burger comics. Burger books. <laughs> Burger books. It sounds delicious. Right. Burger books. Word to you, Katie. Do I get to do the outro yeah, now? You do it now. Uh, until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might drop a flaming number two on your doorstep. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. 70 Edge.